0: Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word SID. And I stopped using uh, Truth Social for a little while. People were getting very angry about my guests, the way they talked about Donald Trump, blah, blah, blah. There is a USA Today poll out today. I'm not sure how how, um, accurate USA Today polls are. I think they're not very accurate. Not very accurate at all. But for what it's worth, in today's polling, Ron DeSantis is hammering Donald Trump. 56% would vote for Ron DeSantis. If the primary was today, 33% Donald Trump. And all kinds of other measures I asked about. And it, um, this poll, specifically USA Today, has Ron DeSantis hammering. Donald Trump, and of course, MSNBC, that's all they're talking about all morning long because they hate Donald Trump, and quite frankly, they hate America, even my dear friend Mike Barnacle. Anyway, my next guest is a CNBC stalwart, one of the greatest economic minds in the history of America, great TV guy, and most importantly, putting me in his new movie, The Tank Job, which we start shooting, I think, February in Canada. Here he is, my dear friend, Ronnie Insana. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, and,
1: and thanks for that lovely walk up. And, and MSNBC folks do not hate America.
0: Oh, they hate them. Oh, oh they hate it in the worst way. No, 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 no. They hate it. No, they do. They hate it. Joe and Mika hate it. Barnacle hates it. Joy Reid's a racist. Don't get me started here, Ronnie. I, I just oh put God. John, I love please, you to death.
1: Please, please decide. Oh, my God. It's what? It's early. It's early.
0: I know, but you have, to, something Ron, else. Ron, you have to hear these things. I'm trying to—I to, know you work at CNBC. There are horrible people there, too, but—
1: I work at MSNBC, too.
0: Oh, my God. Don't tell anybody that. I wouldn't brag about I, that. Would I
1: would not tell anybody but I'm very proud to work for the— NBC. Oh, will you stop Family it? network. Oh,
0: my God. been
1: there for 31 years.
0: Yes, because you're a good man and a smart guy, and you were there before these hateful Americans showed up. It's not your fault that they hired all these hateful Americans. You're a great American. But, my That's God, don't tell me they don't hate America. Are you kidding me? Oh, but, my God. I don't—
1: this is, this, I think this is what's wrong with you. I'll DC. tell
0: you, this guy, Willie Geis, he's another punk. Can't stand him. <laughs>
1: Willie's a perfectly good guy. He's a jerk-off, Ron.
0: He's <laughs> a jerk-off. <laughs> yes, he is. But I love you. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm
1: doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for ruining most of the, my, the remaining moments of my oh, career. I really fine, appreciate that. Fine, fine. Yeah, that's
0: great. You used to say the same things about I miss all those years, right? Same thing, right? Now, here I come. I'm no better. Um, let me ask you about this. <laughs> I'll give you that, yeah. <laughs> the Sam Bankman Freed. Now I made the point early on that for most mm-hmm. Americans that get up nine to five, make about thirty thousand dollars a year, they don't care about 000
1: this. 000 is the median income. How ahead. much is it? Sixty three thousand. Is that what it's up to, really? Median income, yeah.
0: No kidding. All right, well, that's yeah. because New York and California skews that thing. Most Probably. of the country can't afford to, to, to go to McDonald's more than twice a week. So they don't care about Sam Bankman free. They can't relate to millions of dollars, billions of dollars, Bernie Madoff, uh, you know, Jordan Belfort, any of these guys, they can't relate. Quite frankly, either can I. So when I see these stories, I realize how horrible they are and how many people get screwed. I mean, people killed themselves, literally, if the Bernie Madoff did what he did. But I don't know much about it because it's not in my world. Tell us about Sam Bankman-Fried, who he worked for, and what he did.
1: Okay, so he didn't work for anyone. He had his own uh, a couple of firms that he controlled. One was called FTX. You may have seen that on uh, baseball umpire uniforms or a couple of stadiums in Miami. Uh, It was a cryptocurrency exchange. The way the New York Stock Exchange Trades equities, or a variety of other exchanges, trade bonds, or commodities, he traded cryptocurrencies now granted, there are vast, vast differences among these types of exchanges. This was wildly unregulated. it was connected to a hedge fund that he controlled, and it appears at least certainly from all the allegations leveled against him that he it was a very a deceptively simple case of fraud where he used customer dollars to either make highly speculative bets in his hedge fund moving them from the exchange to the hedge fund he controlled or on personal uh, purchases like a massive uh, compound to live in in the Bahamas among other things that he apparently bought or other debts that he paid the money with so it it's really By the
0: way a, you conveniently left out settlement. you conveniently left out all the major donations he made to Joe Biden uh, and the just, Democrat Party, i think. Yeah.
1: And, and Republic, he said he admitted himself that he made it. He um, donated as much to Republicans through dark pools as he did to Democrats. He just didn't want that to be recognized in the uh, in the press.
0: Okay, so when they talk about the, I guess the similarities, Ron, between him yeah. and Bernie Madoff or Jordan Belfort, who ended up on Fox News last night, I don't know how, but he does. Uh, tell me the similarities and maybe the differences too.
1: Well, I, first of all, I mean they're all sociopaths, right? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, um, it, it, when when you're taking money from people uh, and presumably putting it in your care for safekeeping or to grow it for whatever you know goals they may have, and using it, you know, either to to increase your own wealth or do things like as he suggested uh, effective altruism that he wanted to give money away to save the world. you know it really is all nonsense I mean he's just, just stealing money at the end of the day is what's happening and at one juncture his net worth was in excess of 20 billion dollars the day before FTX collapsed he was worth 16 billion dollars the day after he was worth zero FTX has it's been at least presumed 1 million creditors with up to $50 billion in liabilities. This is double the size of the Enron scandal. It's close to the size of the Bernie Madoff scandal, which was $65 billion. It's it's, Look, I mean, and, and, you know, you talk about the tank job and and the movie we're making, I think now in April, but we'll talk about that offline. Um, Every one of these individuals who scams either professionals or or retail investors out of their money, you know, is doing the same thing. We we assigned to them a certain degree of brilliance. In this case, he was doing something that appeared to be highly complex and, you know, the future of money and all that kind of nonsense. And Elizabeth Holmes with the, you know, single drop blood test that would presumably tell you everything you needed to know about yourself. You know, it's just all fraud. And it happens repeatedly throughout financial market history. Mm-hmm. And this is the latest and maybe one of the biggest and most widespread in the sense that, He's being charged with so many crimes, from money laundering to wire uh, wire uh, fraud, securities fraud, uh, illegal campaign contributions. I've never seen a list this long uh, leveled against one individual.
0: Yeah, Elizabeth Holmes just got eleven years in prison, so he's facing yeah. I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm curious, you talked about numbers sixty-five billion made off this guy in the billions, the tank job, the movie we're making, whether it's February, April, the next year, I don't care. Uh Tito DeAngelis, when he did what he did back in nineteen sixty three with soybean oil with salad dressing basically, what were the numbers there? Well, he had borrowed
1: a couple hundred million dollars from fifty one different institutions. This is nineteen sixty three. So look, at the end of the day, if you were to put it in today's dollars it would probably be about two billion, but it understates the impact that it had on Wall Street because two major Wall Street uh, firms, which had lent him money, almost went out of business. They had uh, one of them alone, at the time, had 450 million dollars worth of client assets. This is 1963. Um, it shook up the entire you know corporate foundation of Wall Street, uh, affected the market greatly. In the very same week that JFK was assassinated, the four days prior. And it was it was the biggest scandal on Wall Street since the 1920s. Wow! So it was, and, and again, deceptively simple. Said he had a 1.8 billion pounds of salad oil in storage tanks in Bayonne, New Jersey. It was mostly salt water.
0: <laughs> salt water. So this um, this bankman freed said to the judge yesterday. He said, "You have to understand, I'm depressed. I'm a vegan. I can't go to jail. I can't get the food. I go to jail. You you, you can't, can't make this up. I mean, he actually thought the judge." Was going to be sympathetic?
1: I Listen, you know, when when you get these folks who do strange things like this, you know, uh, look, even some of the January 6th writers, what, what what didn't one of them have specific dietary requests that he made to the judge while he was in prison? And, and they actually accommodated him for a brief period of time. Like, I, it's all, you know, you can throw up whatever excuse you want. I interviewed years and years ago. A gentleman by the name, uh, now deceased, uh, Meyer Blinder, who was a penny stock fraudster, convicted of securities fraud, went to jail in the 70s, died in jail, and, you know, was arguing that he was too old to jail. go to jail. I mean, you, you know, you get these types of yeah. arguments. You know, why stole a couple hundred million dollars, just stole a couple billion dollars. But listen, you know, can you go easy on me? <laughs> it, it's just, you know, it's, just, it's absurd. Yeah, it know? Is.
0: So for Main Street, for folks working everyday lives here in New York, how does a crime like this that Bankman Freed committed affect them? Does it affect them, or is this basically just rich people playing with toys?
1: Well, in a certain sense, it's the latter. Because, because the folks in the crypto world never wanted to integrate fully with the legacy financial systems that we deal with, banks and brokerage houses that have you know, long, uh, respected names, They're, those firms, our big firms, never really got deeply involved in the activities of cryptocurrency exchanges, and so we don't have what we like to call systemic risk. Like the financial system's not at risk because they're not plugged into the system. Had they been, it would have been a much bigger deal for the financial markets, for the economy, and maybe for individuals. The individuals at risk here are those who are involved and who are speculating in cryptocurrencies or who put you know, up to $10 billion of their money collectively on, on FTX's exchange and then had Sam Bankman-Fried, at least according to a lot of published reports, use a invisible backdoor to get the money out of FTX and into his own hedge fund. So generally speaking, because most of the crypto world is trying to exist outside the legacy financial systems, there's a lot less exposure than there would have otherwise been. Having said that, at the peak, the 12,000 cryptocurrencies that exist at one point were worth, at least theoretically, over two trillion dollars that's down to seven hundred and some billion now
0: wow i'm surprised it's still that high i mean haven't people figured out that crypto is is finished it's over it's done
1: well i mean look that that's my particular perspective and i think you know the underlying blockchain technology which i think is important for uh the financial architecture of of any system and it's going to be useful in the future is, is is critical. I think, though, that, look, you still got Bitcoin trading at about 17,000. You still have Ethereum trading at about 1,200, 1,300. And so there's money locked in there. I mean, these these things were at pennies when they were first developed, and they've gone up a lot. So there's still some wealth locked up in there. Whether or not they go to zero and go away is an open question. But among the 12,000 cryptocurrencies that exist, I would, I would guess that 11,998 are going to be gone over the course of the next couple of years.
0: You know, when we sat down and did the reading for your movie, uh, Tom Bergeron, me, and some other actors, it was a great time. It was great. I was fascinated, I guess, maybe at the end, if I remember correctly, you can correct me, but at the end, uh, the narrator started listing all of these major, major Wall Street crimes. Bernie Madoff was in there. We mentioned the movies about Tito DeAngelis. I think we mentioned Jordan Belfort. But you read off like there was like 10 or 15 of them inside that script. And I found that to be so fascinating. Where does Sam Bankman fried Forget about the dollars because it's 2022. Where does he fall? If You've got to pick five of the seven biggest scams in history. Where does he fall? Top five. Top five? Top five. Who are the other four if you had to?
1: so right Bernie now. Madoff, um, let's see, Bernie Madoff, uh, Elizabeth Holmes is up there just because of the, the breadth and scope of the business that she built um, with some very respectable people on the board. Uh, see, when I was going I mean,
0: up, one of the guys that got in a lot of trouble was a guy like Michael Milken, for example, but he's not well, there. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, it was a different kind of thing. That was an insider trading scandal. Um, that was largely a Wall Street affair that didn't really affect as many people. I mean, it, it, you know, depending on your point of view on this and people view Michael differently, I, I still think that he, at the very least, violated the spirit of a, viol- a lot of laws. It was it Ivan Boski, who was the first person to get um, in trouble because of the whole Milken Drexel Burnham law bearer? Daisy chain as it was once called. You know I, I remember it was <clears> there <throat> was I was just looking this up yesterday it was November 14th 1986. It was a Friday afternoon. I was a producer and an anchor at Financial News Network at the time and our production assistant after the close of the market on a Friday afternoon rips this wire and and you know calls out to me she goes is this a story? Ivan Bosky settles with the SEC for a hundred million dollars. <laughs> none of us, none of us knew that he was under investigation, right? Wow. It was one of the, and they did a late dump on a Friday, and we're like, and I'm thinking, like, Honey, what did he settle for? Like, what you know, he was this presumably this extremely sophisticated trader, kind of who Michael uh, Douglas effectively portrayed at Wall Street. Oh my
0: God, and, the great Gordon Gecko.
1: Yeah, it was the same same character, right? And so i like, like, nah, I'm not sure. And then I stopped for a second. I went to see Bill Griffith, who was on the anchor desk at the time. I'm like, Bill, you know, do we need to cover this? He's like, holy Jesus, this is like huge. I mean, it was a $100 million settlement. And we called – I think Gary Lynch was the head of enforcement at the SEC at the time. He came on and talked to us about it. And we got the story on the air that Friday afternoon. And it was a massive story. Ivan Boski was thought to be this trading genius. And instead, he was just trading tips and was getting you know, fed – information in exchange for uh, briefcases full of cash. (laughs) So uh, these stories just go on and on. I mean, you can go back, you know, decades, if not centuries, to find examples of of this type of behavior.
0: Well, this was a great conversation. Not good, great. Now I have to apologize. Except for the first part. Started, yes. I'm sorry about that. eh? Yeah. 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 I mean, I still feel the same exact way. I mean, no, no, no.
1: You're edgy this morning.
0: I'm always edgy. She that's why I'm number one in New York, up. Ron. And
1: also, how do I get a Donna Summer walk-up song? I love her to death, but, I mean, what, you know.
0: <laughs> well, um, I would call her, but, of course, she's dead, Ron. She's dead, so I'm not sure how I you knows. get that. I,
1: I have <laughs> great respect and, and admiration for her work. I just was a, you
0: yeah. know. Those days right. when you used to go to Studio 54 and do coke with Ivan Boski? I,
1: I didn't live in New York at the time. I was in Los Angeles. All
0: right, that's what he says. Not that he didn't do coke, by the way, but I didn't live in New York at the time. So. <laughs> I didn't live in New York <laughs> Ron, you're brilliant. You're beautiful. I love you to pieces. And this was a, seriously, it was a great conversation. Thank you so much. Take care, man. Take care, Ron Sana. CNBC, that's how you cover the biggest story of the day. Right there. That's how you do it. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that